Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Today, we have a guest coming to us all the way from Texas, and I'm so excited to jump into this conversation. Katie Beal Brown is a fourth-generation West Texan born and raised in Midland. Growing up, some of her fondest memories were from time spent with her grandparents out on their family's ranch in far west Texas near Fort Davis. Katie attended Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, where she met her future husband, Tyler Brown, a Houston native and seventh-generation Texan. Katie and Tyler Brown married in her hometown of Midland in 2013 and immediately moved to New York, New York, where he had an opportunity in private equity, real estate, and she continued to grow her career in advertising. With years of experience at industry-leading agencies, she set out on a new venture to build her own brand, Lone River, celebrating her roots in West Texas. Lone River pioneered the tequila-style hard seltzer category with its introduction of Lone River Ranch Water, which you may have heard of, and more recently, Lone River Ranch Rita. After less than a year of record sales, Lone River Beverage Company was purchased by Diageo, one of the world's largest producers of spirits and beers, including world-class brands like Casamigos, Crown Royal, Johnny Walker, Smirnoff, Guinness, and more. Lone River now leads the tequila-style seltzer category as the number one ranch water in the U.S. Katie continues to lead the business on a day-to-day basis as CEO of the brand and works closely with Diageo leadership to build further on Lone River's success. In this conversation, we're going to dive into Katie's story, entrepreneurship, and all that good stuff. So let's jump on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way. Mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hi, so good to see you and hear your voice. Likewise, I am so happy that you're here. So we originally met through our mutual friend, Courtney Dehoff. Yes. And I officially got to meet you in person at her most recent Fancy Lady Cowgirl event. And I don't know if I played it off cool, but I was definitely fangirling a little bit, maybe. Oh my gosh, I was the same with you. And it's funny because like looking back, it felt like we had met before that, but totally, right. totally, that was the first time we met in person. I feel like that's just how internet relationships are. I know it is like, you feel like you know somebody for years, even though you may never meet them in person. <laughs> uh, and I got to see you and your mom when you guys came in town for the American. Yes. Oh, I fun. love it. I love it. You know, I just, ever since I first, I guess not even since I first met you, since I first connected with you and started you know, hearing about you and your story and this incredible woman behind this brand that I was seeing everywhere, I have just been blown away by you. And not just by you and your entrepreneurship and what you've built, but by your spirit. And especially after meeting you in person, you just have this like beautiful, magnetic and authentic energy. And I am just so grateful to be in your orbit. And I'm so happy to have you here on the show today. Well, that is so nice to hear. And what a great compliment coming from you. But um, I think honestly, That has been the most enriching part of my journey is just meeting these people that I've gotten to know as friends that have become like family and that have really, you know, become part of my story. And it's been so cool, you know, just even through Instagram and that 
blossoming into something so much more meaningful. It's just been, it's been really fun for me. Oh, I love that. Okay. I want to jump into that more in a little bit, but first I want to back things up a little bit. I want to go back to Katie's early years. Like I am like thinking, okay, if you close your eyes and you picture little Katie, like on your grandparents' ranch, how do you think that little girl would react to where Katie is today? Like, do you think she would have ever imagined she'd be the CEO of this incredibly successful beverage company, like doing campaigns with Miranda Lambert? Like we'll jump into that later, but what do you think she would have thought of where she's at now? Yeah, it's funny because I have been thinking more about it lately. And as a kid, I was always very ambitious. It was just something that I think has always been in me. And even like to the extent of when I was in kindergarten or first grade, I actually convinced my class. I wanted to get in the Guinness Book of World Records for some reason. <laughs> and so I convinced my class to help me build like the longest paper change. You remember those? Yes. Um, in history. And I don't think we actually ever got there, but I just think of moments like that. And it was very kind of out of the ordinary, but just an example of I always had these really big ambitions for myself. And um, I grew up in a family in a small town. And it's really funny because I I always kind of thought like, I want to get the hell out of here. And I'm meant for much bigger things. And so when I had the opportunity to go to New York City, I felt like, oh my gosh, I've really made it. I've gotten Mm -hmm. to the big city. And it's just so serendipitous that that actually, you know, the whole journey brought me back home to really Mm -hmm. celebrate where I come from. And that's been even bigger than what I could have dreamed of for myself as a little girl thinking, you know, that I wanted to live in New York City and get out of my small town and all of that. Oh, I I love that. And when you, as you share that story, I feel like I resonate with that so deeply because I feel like I've always been a very ambitious person too. And someone that wanted to like get away and spread my wings. Here I am back in my <laughs> home County. Um, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But I do feel like it's interesting to, to talk to entrepreneurs of like, did you always have a bug of some kind for this. And it sounds like you kind of did. You always had this like spark within you to do something big. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it came from watching my dad. He, you know, he runs our family business. So, you know, it's something that kind of has gone down through generations, but I do look back at like our family history and there's very much a pioneering spirit that has seeped down through those generations. So, you know, all the way from my great, great grandfather, he actually patented the wire fence tightener and my dad. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, kind of a random fact, but my dad likes to say that that changed the fate of our family because that allowed him to accumulate wealth by raising livestock. And then, you know, later down the line, uh, my great grandfather was one of the original wildcatters in West Texas in search of oil and and then my dad, you know, today runs that family business um, that was started, you know, generations ago, but which it was almost like a path that was chosen for him in a way. At the same time, though, he always had these like passions that he was exploring. Like he was an off-road race car driver for a little bit when we were growing up. He wanted to be like the Scrabble champion of the US. I just I think seeing him pursue all these different passions, it always sparked something in me. And I think I've always mm-hmm. been a very curious an ambitious person and felt like there was something that was going to lead me down a similar path, but I didn't Mm -hmm. quite know what that was growing up or even, you know, I would even say like 10 years ago, I didn't know what that was. Sure. Sure. Oh, I think that's so cool. Like it definitely having that spark within you. And I think there's something to be said for 
when you witness other people step into big career moves or going for big dreams, it just feels like a normal path. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like as crazy of a thing to do because you got to witness so many other people around you going for it. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, you know, also in our industry and like the broader kind of community that we're a part of, I do think it's very much, you know, it is a very male dominated space, but my dad had three girls um, and we also have a little baby brother too, but um, he always, you know, put us in every scenario that he would have put a son in and Mm. gave us those opportunities at such a young age that, you know, today I know how to hunt and fish and golf and do all the things that he would have done with his son that I think just gave me a really well-rounded skill set. But also I felt like there was nothing that I couldn't do from a very young age and there was nothing off limits. And that I think gave me like that mentality of if I can dream it, I can go out and do it. Mm, That's so awesome. Okay. So Texas, you, you grew up in Texas, you go to school in Texas, you meet your hubby, you guys move to the big city, you get into this advertising world. Tell me about, as an entrepreneur in your journey, I want to talk to you about the pivot or your journey of where you've decided to move on to the next thing. How do you go from this advertising world to deciding, I'm going to launch an entire mm-hmm. brand? Tell me about that journey, that process for you. Yeah. So I think there were always ideas percolating in my head of things that I wanted to do beyond my career path. Um, And my career path was not a straight line. I think I fell into advertising. It was a really good fit for me because it allowed me to get to know a lot of different industries, a lot of different businesses, think about, you know, business and creative challenges that they faced and how to solve them. And as I was working in advertising, I started to see this new kind of category emerge in alcohol in hard seltzer. And there's a drink from West Texas, Ranch Water. It's a cocktail that um, we've been making out there for decades. And I had introduced it to a lot of my friends in New York, and I had almost used it as a way to kind of share more of where I come from with them. Because in New York, I would say the small town that I grew up in, and a lot of people they just had no frame of reference of where that was, what the area was like. And so Ranch water, the cocktail became like my party trick in a way to like say a little bit more about where I come from in a way that they were actually interested in. And so as I started to see, you know, our friends kind of pick up the cocktail, introduce other friends to it, and this hard seltzer category emerge, I started thinking about what if we package this and what if we built a brand that really celebrates where it comes from and the culture mm-hmm. that it represents. Um, and it's been so interesting because it really started with a very specific point of view on that. I really wanted to represent West Texas and where I grew up because it is a very unique unique part of the country. But what I realized after going to market, so we introduced our product to the market in April of 2020, right during the global pandemic. What a time. What a time. (laughs) It was a very interesting time. And I just very quickly realized that what we represented and what we brought to life in the culture from West Texas, it was so much bigger than our small place on the map. And that's where, you know, I started to connect with people like Courtney and even yourself later down the road, because there is just a similar way of life and values that I think we all really resonate with that. Mm -hmm. I think our brand started to represent that was way bigger than I had even kind of imagined it would be from day one. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. First things first, I'm really glad that you explained that ranch water is a cocktail because I remember the first time I went into my grocery store like a while ago, I was like, oh my gosh, ranch water, they carry it. And I think I had even tagged your brand and you're like, ooh, not the same thing. Like not, that's not Lone River. That's a different company. And I was like, wait, I thought ranch water was ranch water. But I I had this conversation with my husband yesterday because we went into our grocery store and he was picking out whiskey. He's from Kentucky. He's doing his bourbon thing. And I'm just like, I'm just going to see if they carry Lone River here. And they didn't have Lone River, but they had another ranch water. And he's like, he was so confused about it. So yeah. Yeah. He's like, why are there multiple ranch waters? So I really honestly am so glad you clarified that ranch water is a cocktail. It's originally a cocktail made with tequila, soda, lime. Uh So like I said, I mean, it's something we've been drinking. It's like a bar call in West Texas. You can walk up to any bar, order ranch water, and they'll make it for you. Yeah. It started to gain popularity and pop up in – you know, trendier areas in Texas and then started to creep out from there. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, so it's not trademarkable. It's mm-hmm. like margarita. It is right. a generic term for a cocktail, but we were the first to really bring it to market in a packaged format. And I mm-hmm. felt like at the time, if somebody's going to bring this delay, if it needs to be a West Texan, because it needs to be really true to the roots of where it comes from mm-hmm. and be able to tell that story in an authentic way. And I think just by way of, you know, a lot of the early success that we saw, a lot of competitors wanted to kind of jump on the bandwagon and introduce similar products into the market, which we looked at as all the better. This is proving that this is a much bigger idea than just a single product. Mm-hmm. It's a category. Yeah. Um, it's a category that we have the right to lead and own. And yeah, I mean, but it was, there were times when it definitely scared the shit out of me too. Sure. To have a target on your back like that as a small business, you have to really, you know, get it together to compete mm. on that level. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's like a good and very challenging thing. Yes. I want to Okay, there's so many different directions I want to go here. But first things I want to do is I want to talk about the timing of this launch for you all. Mm-hmm. April 2020. At a time when I think well, the whole world didn't know what the heck was happening. Tell me about your what the process was like bringing a brand to life during the middle of a global pandemic. Was there ever a time during this process where you're like, oh, maybe now isn't the time or was it actually the perfect time? Yeah. So I really, I kind of gave notice to my job. I was still working in advertising. So in you're, still in, you're still in New York City at this time? In New York City, still working in advertising. December 2019, I had you know kind of told my company, like, I'm going to start taking a step back and really, you know, move into running my company full time. We had just raised a bunch of money from friends and family to go out and do our first production run. So we had kind of agreed, my advertising agency at the time and I, that we would be like stepping it down over the next few months. And then I would, you know, go my own way and we would stay in touch. So I think the last day that I was actually in that office was late February. And I was getting ready to go out to West Texas to go shoot a bunch of content to launch our brand. We had, so the biggest retailer, chain retailer in Texas agreed to put us on the shelf and they had essentially said, the product just has to be delivered by April 1st. So from December to April, we knew like, we have this timeline, we have to hit it. It's make or break for our business. This is a huge opportunity So we were just sprinting at that. I was going out to our ranch in early March to go shoot all this content so that we could launch the brand in April. So we fly out to the ranch from New York, packed a bag of literally things for a week, and 
while we're there, the last day of our shoot, the lockdown started to happen. And everyone that was with us was like, listen, we're going to have to call the shoot early. We can't do the rest of it. And so, you know, that then kind of started the chaos that it was for us to really get this to market because mm-hmm. everything, it's like a wedding. You plan a lot of things in advance, but then there's a lot of really critical details at the end. And so all of those details then had a massive curveball of, are we even going to be able to pull this off? Even to the extent of our alcohol permit was literally approved the day that their office was closing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And so long story short, you know, we then, we didn't go back to New York because we were like, it was, didn't feel safe to fly for a long time. And we didn't know it, but we really, that was kind of when we moved to Texas permanently. And I had grown up there and we knew we would always end up there, but that was the bigger plan for us. That was not part of the original timeline. That was, I think we knew it was coming. We just didn't have a concrete plan. And that Mm. was just, uh, we ended up living with our parents, you know, for the next two years and just trying to kind of piece our life together. But so I think when people talk about chaos in their life getting turned up during the pandemic, I can relate so much because Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a home. You know, I was living with my parents. We were launching this business. We didn't know what would happen. We'd invested so much personally in it. And we Mm -hmm. had, we basically had it all on the line. It was like, this is either going to work and we're going to be like incredibly grateful for that, or it's not going to work and we're going to lose everything. So long story short, we got the product to the shelf on April 1st and our distributor at the time said, listen, we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to put a couple hundred cases out there and people may not buy it. We don't know what people are going to do right now. Mm And we started selling out so quickly. They basically called us a day later and said, how much can you make and how quickly can you get it to us? So that was then the moment of this might really be something. And so we just started essentially blinders on whatever it took to grow the business is what we did. And I think almost for the better, we had zero distractions because Mm. we didn't really have... (laughs) Our life was turned upside down. We were living with our parents. Like we didn't have yeah. anywhere to go, anything to do. And so we were able to put, you know, 200% of ourselves into the business without anything else really to think about or do other than, you know, trying to do our best to make it work and see a return for our investors too. So at this point in time, is your husband working full-time with you in Ranchwater as well when you guys moved to Texas? So... We, it was my husband and then we had a neighbor in New York that was, so his wife was from Texas too. So we obviously became great friends. Um, Uh Obviously. And so he and his wife and my husband and I were kind of the original ones that put money into the business. Gotcha. And I was the only one that was full time along with one other salesperson, but my husband and our original partner, they were kind of helping me on the side because there is just so much that goes into running a business that. I didn't have the foundational knowledge of. Mm -hmm. So when it came to a lot of things like equity structure and financing and all of that, I really leaned on them because, you know, those are the things that you don't want to get wrong. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was fortunate that they both, you know, that's the world that they both come from. Mm -hmm. So it really, you know, it ended up being a really nice blend of skill sets to where mm-hmm. we all really complemented each other. And we all have the same mentality of, 
whatever it's going to take to make this work. We got to just, it's all on the line at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are going to lose everything or we're going to gain a lot. Yeah. Man, I'm sure that took so much trust in each other and in yourself and just to have the focus and clarity to put your head down and not let the distractions of like, oh my gosh, what if this doesn't work? Mm-hmm. Kind of derail you because I think that it's so often in entrepreneurship. I, I'm speaking for myself here. Yeah, I feel like I can catastrophize and get mm-hmm. in my own way by worrying about all the things that could potentially go wrong. It is hard. I mean, and I remember. I mean, there were so many conversations during that time, like and mistakes. Like I was, you know, I think one time I miscalculated one of the ingredients, and we were short for the run and. You know, there were so many times that I would go to my husband in tears and just be like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I really messed this up. And at the time, it feels like the, the end, end of the, the world. world. Yeah. But you just have to keep on moving forward. And I've kind of learned, like, once you make a decision, you can only look forward. You can't look back and think about what you regret because mm. it's in the past and there's nothing you can do to change it. You can only optimize the future. Mm, I love that. Have you read the book, The Gap in the Gain, before? No, but I'm going to download it after this. Oh my gosh. Okay. I feel like I've brought it up on so many podcasts, Katie. I read it twice last year because I loved it so much, but it's a book by um, Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. And it's a book that's written for high achievers. And they talk all the time about how the only way to measure success is to measure the gain. And the gain can only be measured backwards, measuring where you're at now from mm. where you came from yeah. instead of measuring the gap between, which is the gap between where you're at and where you're trying to go. And I think so often, I know that you're a high achiever. You're very ambitious. I know for myself, I can be so focused on what I still have to do or where I'm Mm -hmm. falling short. And it's so easy to get caught up in that space instead of looking back and being like, oh my gosh, I built this brand from the ground up and look at all the things and all the evidence that I have for where I'm at right now and get really being able to focus on those gains and then looking forward from there. So I, I just, I love that perspective. And I'm glad you shared that because, you know, I think it's easy for us to look at businesses or brands or individuals like yourself and assume like Katie's got it all figured out. Like these mm-hmm. things seem to be going so well for her. Entrepreneurship must come easy. She mm-hmm. has skills that I don't. And I think that I think it's helpful sometimes to pull the, the curtain back a little yeah. bit on entrepreneurship and like show that maybe it hasn't always been peachy and rosy and everything hasn't gone perfect. So I'm curious for you, I know you already mentioned one, but what have been some of the biggest mistakes or or learning mm-hmm. opportunities that you've experienced from the beginning of this brand? Yeah, I think, well, and I just want to like touch on something that you just said that's really interesting too, because I do the same thing. I I think the problem is that once you find some success or achieve a milestone, you really lift the expectations of yourself oh, and your business. Yes. And so I think it makes it feel like, you know, to use like the analogy of your podcast, like you are never getting to the top of the mountain. You're mm. constantly climbing. And I have really had to, you know, at times, like, to your point, take a step back and say, okay, in three years, this is what I've achieved. Like, I've gone through some really challenging times. And even though I may expect, you know, myself to be on a much higher mountain at this point, like, that's not to water down, like, what I've already climbed because Mm -hmm. it has been pretty crazy. And I think so – Talking about mistakes, I mean, listen, there's so many. I think the the challenge with being an entrepreneur is you're never going to have enough information and inputs 
to make a decision the way that you want to make it. There's Mm. always an element of unknown and you have to get really comfortable making decisions that way. And because of the nature of that, you're going to make some bad decisions. And I definitely, definitely have. Uh, Like I said, I mean, I've I miscalculated our ingredients. I ordered the wrong can color. I mean, there's so many micro decisions that I've messed up that it's impossible to even keep track of them. However, it's hard for me to think back on like a major mistake or bad decision because every decision in my mind, bad or good, it has put us on the path that we're on. Mm, and I love that. even the bad decisions have led to opportunities that quite frankly, they may have never existed otherwise. That is such a powerful perspective. It's really hard to say like, I should have done this differently because mm-hmm. I really genuinely believe that with the information that I've had at the times that I've made these decisions, it was the best decision that I could have made at that point. And mm-hmm. I don't think in certain circumstances we would be in the position that we're in had I made that decision differently. And I also think when you're in the early stages of entrepreneurship, you are so blind to a lot of the risks that you're able to make decisions in a way that with a lot more freedom mm-hmm. than when you get later in the journey and you've made those mistakes and you have some of those scars, you're a little bit more risk adverse. Um, mm. And I think it prevents you from taking some of those big swings. Mm. I think that's so helpful to hear, especially for any entrepreneurs listening to this, because what I'm kind of getting from this, Katie, is that like you're grateful for every one of those quote unquote poor decisions that you made mm-hmm. in hindsight, maybe knowing that they're, they're bad decisions after the fact. I think that it's so interesting because I think when we first started business or whatever the new thing is, we have this fear of failure. We don't want to mess up. We want to do things right. Mm-hmm. But I think that to your point, it's almost like it's good that we're blind to the mm-hmm. risk at the beginning because I think that all of those mistakes are meant to happen when we're small mm-hmm. so that we build up that resiliency and that's what allows us to grow from there. And and yet I think that that beginning, those beginning days of entrepreneurship, we're the most afraid of failing because we're like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know the answers, but that is actually exactly what we're supposed to be doing is like failing a crap ton mm-hmm. so, so that we can actually gain the skills that help us yeah. take our business, our company to the next level. Yeah. And I th- like, I guess if I had to say like one regret that I have, it would maybe be not having done this sooner. Mm. But I mean, there were so many things in my life that I don't think I would have been prepared in the same way that I was Mm -hmm. when I actually did it. So, Mm. but I do, it took me a long time. I mean, I had the idea probably for three or four years before it went to market. So there was a lot of time in there. Sure. That I just needed to like muster the courage to take the leap of faith. But, you know, that's kind of, it's just the journey that I've been on. Yeah. I love, like, I find so much peace in reminding myself that like everything is right on time. And in my head, and maybe I'm doing, maybe I'm saying this to justify um, where I'm at right now in this season, but sometimes I think like letting an idea take seed in our brain and simmer on it mm-hmm. is actually making progress somehow. Like yeah. even if we're not actually taking any big, bold action, even if we're not like really implementing in my head right now, and I say this because one of the things I write down every single morning, Katie, is that I'm going to become a best-selling author. Yes. Have I actually started writing the book? No, but I'm thinking about it yeah. a lot. And part of me is like, you know what? That's actually where I'm supposed to be at right now in this process mm-hmm. is in that like seeding space. It's what I'm telling myself at least. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, cause I, I remember 
So I was selected from the first agency that I worked at in New York as like this rising star program. I got to go be trained by Google for six weeks with like these other rising stars in the industry. And I really distinctly remember we had to do like a professional development plan. And the thing that I put on mine was that I wanted to start a business. So, and that was like, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. Like, Mm -hmm. and I had that specific of an idea that I wanted to start a business, but I didn't know what it was yet. Mm, Yeah. And so over time, and I think a lot of it was there, it was hard for me to find something that I was willing to put that much on the line for and make as many sacrifices as I have for like Mm. that I really believed in that I could put that much of myself into until, until Lone River came along. And it just felt like, you know, this is something that I can really tell the story in a way that is unique to me and my family and all of that. Hey there. Have you ever thought about having your very own business or services talked about right here on the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast? Well, it is your lucky day, my friends. I am officially opening up opportunities to be a sponsor to have your very own 30 or 60 second ad right here within the show. To learn more about how you can partner with me as a podcast sponsor, or maybe even through Instagram, Facebook, or email marketing, visit coachkaya.com forward slash partner to learn more. I would love to work with you. I'd love to dig deeper into the brand because outsider looking in, it seems like what you've built in the past few years has just had such incredible success. And I want to talk more about where you think the success of that brand came from. I know you said that like that first big order, it was flying off the shelves. What do you think was really the big reason why you had that early success and why you are continuing to have that success this year too? So I think that we, when we looked at the hard seltzer category, you know, it was a category that was really driven by product attributes. So I mean, like almost this lighter drink with a lot of flavors. It was something that the consumer hadn't really seen yet Mm -hmm. from a product perspective, but there were no brands that were really building a brand and telling a story. Mm. And so I think there's a couple of things that we did that gave us that natural tailwind. So first, you know, hard seltzer was really more of these vodka inspired flavor profiles. Mm -hmm. We were the first to introduce more of a tequila inspired flavor profile. But the bigger thing than that is we've really focused on building a brand with a story to tell. And to me, that story was where ranch water comes from and the culture that it's really a part of in West Texas. So and doing it in the most authentic way that we could. So, you know, our very first shoot was a very small shoot on my family's ranch with our ranch hands and some friends from the area. And we weren't hiring like actresses or models or trying to create like a contrived version of our world. It just, we were capturing our world and the product in that world. Mm. Um And so I think like when I put that vision into the world, then we started to see so many people play it back to us and placing the product in their life, in their world that, you know, maybe had some of those similarities. And so that's something that I think we've always tried to really maintain is that we're a real brand from a real family in a real place that people can connect with in a different way than you can connect with maybe a brand that is like created in a boardroom Mm -hmm. by, 
you know, a group of professionals. There's just a little bit more humanity and heart there Mm. that I, and it, you know, as I was saying earlier that some of our like very first consumers, I mean, Courtney's one of them, Jenna Paulette was, yes, I think, you know, we were connected within weeks of launching and they were not just consumers. They were real people to us in people that we were so proud that they were out there buying our product Mm -hmm. and so grateful to. And I just don't think a lot of brands are so far up here. They completely forget about how important that connection to the consumer is. Yeah. Like I would venture to guess that a lot of those other brands aren't personal friends with those early, you know, quote unquote influencers. And it's so funny that you say that because when I first heard about Ranch Water, it was because my friend's Courtney and Jenna were talking about it. And it was like, I need to get this. And we couldn't get it in California. And I feel like that even made it this even more premium thing. So when it finally hit the stores, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's here, which is so, so cool. I want to talk more about, I love, I love that so much of your family story is within this product. I mean, I, I totally think that that's why people love it so much, that personal connection to it. And I also feel like the Western lifestyle is really having a moment in mainstream mm-hmm. culture right now, you know, with the rise of Yellowstone. And I just noticed this last week or a couple of weeks ago that like coastal cowgirl is trending, not just in the Western spaces, but like across all fashion. Yeah. And I'm so curious, you know, what does this mean for you all and your brand when it comes to this advertising and marketing space? Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to deny that we didn't have a lot of cultural tailwinds at our back. I mean, first of all, during COVID, people were, you know, probably drinking more than <laughs> they have in <laughs> normal year. Um, True. <laughs> part of that. But I also think during the pandemic, people really reevaluated what was important to them. And mm-hmm. I think there was, because people lost so much control over their life, they wanted to get back to that feeling of resourcefulness, being able to do things themselves, um, being connected to their food and their family. And a lot of those things that are really like the foundation of the Western lifestyle. And I think that was a jumping off point for how much we're seeing that lifestyle and culture and mainstream culture today through, you know, the success of Yellowstone, country music. I like to say like the Ford F-150 is the number one car in America, because I think whether someone has ever stepped foot on a ranch, ridden a horse, whatever it is, they may not be able to relate to the lifestyle in that way, but they may relate to it in the sense of that kind of self-reliance and Mm. the values that it represents and wanting to be a part of the culture from that perspective. Yeah. Ooh, I see that. I see that for sure. You know, we on our family's ranch here in rural California, we're right between San Francisco and Los Angeles. So we're like Mm -hmm. four hours south of San Francisco, three hours north of LA. And we have a glamping business, an agritourism business. So um, people can come. Oh my gosh, Katie, I have so (laughs) many ideas to talk to you about after this. But um, my sister-in-law and my brother run it and they have these canvas wall tents and they're all decorated Southwestern with like mosaic tiled steer skulls and just like, it's super cool. And during the pandemic, especially people wanted to get out of the city and they wanted to go somewhere and have this like wild West experience. And it was, you know, whether they were a big tech executive, whether they were a movie star, like we had movie stars come and stay at the ranch. It was all kind of so getting cool. back to their roots and them wanting to like have a taste of this experience. And my grandpa, he passed away in October, 
but his house, him and my grandma live right next to the glamping sites and my grandpa has never known a stranger. And so every single camper from whatever walk of life they were in, one of their favorite things was getting to visit with my grandpa. And he felt like he could travel the world without ever having to leave his backyard. And he always talked to me. And before he passed, he told me that one of the best ways I could get back to my family's roots was by protecting the romance of the West, Mm. of of the West. And I just see, I see that so much right now in mainstream cultures. Everyone has that desire to kind of get back to their roots, even if they didn't have the same kind of childhood that you and I grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even in a way today, like entrepreneurs have become like celebrities in their Mm -hmm. own right. I mean, we've all seen like the big entrepreneurs out there who are in a sense treated like celebrities, but I think it's because there is something also just so romantic and romanticized about that pioneering spirit. Yeah. And, you know, that pioneering spirit is in all of our families' histories. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, all of our families that moved west and settled wherever they settled, that is part of our kind of heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the way that it's manifested today may look different than that, but I think the spirit is still very much alive. Mm, For sure. For sure. I want to talk to you more about your role as an entrepreneur, but I want to ask you the question that I ask every single one of my guests before we get on the show. And it is, what is a mountain that you're currently climbing in your life or your career? I know we talked earlier about how it's there's a constant mountain, especially when you're as ambitious as you and I are. So right now at this phase of your career, what do you feel like that mountain is for you? Yeah, I think so. When I first introduced the brand, I always like imagined you know, I wanted the brand to speak for itself. And I knew it was important to tell the story of where Ranch Water came from and kind of the origins and genesis of Lone River in far west Texas and connect that to my family's history. Because just a quick aside, um, so Lone River, there's this legend behind Ranch Water in West Texas that it was originally concocted by a wild-haired rancher in Fort Davis. And after making the drink, he followed miles of Texas stars until he fell asleep under a pinyon tree. So I always really loved that legend and I felt so connected to it because my family's ranch is actually in the same spot in Fort Davis. So cool. And so that was really where I was trying to connect the dots for the consumer in terms of my family's history in the area, where ranch water comes from and what that means. But I never really viewed myself and my own personal story as a founder being woven into that. And I think it was really scary for me to start to tell that story from my own personal perspective. Um, And I remember Courtney was actually like one of the first people that really encouraged me to do that. And it just, you know, at the time it was still like really early on in our journey. And I felt like it was a safe space to do it because Mm. what she represents in her audience felt like the kind of audience that was going to accept me and like who I am without a lot of judgment. But I think today I really have been trying to lean more into that female founder role versus just being a founder. And I still, it's very unnatural for me to put myself out there personally. Mm -hmm. And it is very challenging for me. I think like it brings up a lot of feelings of imposter syndrome. Like why do I deserve the credit personally? Like this hasn't just been me. And then also like feelings of you know, is this really like the place that I belong in this female founder group? Um, Mm. So 
I think it's just, and you know, what does that look like for me putting myself out there? Like, I'm not an influencer. You know, I'm not like a celebrity. I'm just an ordinary person that started a business. So what is that for me? And how do I tell my story in a way that people can connect with me? Because like I said, connection has been one of the most fulfilling parts of this for me without, you know, feeling like it's unnatural or, you know, like I'm, I never want people to think I'm not grateful and Mm -hmm. very humbled by this experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And humility is such like an important part of how I grew up that I think that's also just why it feels very unnatural for for me to put myself out there. Yeah. I totally get that. I mean, just culturally, right. To be a, to just be a humble person. You know what I think is so interesting. Something you said was I'm not an influencer or, or a celebrity. I'm just a normal person that started a business. Mm-hmm. But when I think about those influencers or founder celebrities, they were also just normal people that started a business too at the beginning, right? Yeah, totally. It's funny because I um, – so I was really thinking about this because a couple of weeks ago, I went to this dinner with a bunch of other female founders. And you know, I think in a lot of industries, female founders are really – like there is a community of them and they're very interconnected. And I gave a toast at the dinner and it was like about how I almost felt like an outsider in Mm. those groups because in my industry, you know, I'm one of very, very few female founders. I think in our, in the Western lifestyle also, you know, I think it is a very masculine male dominated space. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never felt disadvantage for any of those reasons, but I definitely have not felt like there's just this natural community for me with female founders to connect with, like there are in fashion and beauty and sure. all of these other industries. I feel like, and I had talked to you about this earlier this week, we were chatting a little bit, and I think that I resonate with you on so many levels when it comes to the imposter syndrome. And I know we, we've talked to you about how And in a previous episode, I talked about how I felt like an imposter even within my family. Again, Mm -hmm. male-dominated Western lifestyle. Not that anybody ever told me I didn't belong, but it was just my my own feelings. And I think something that has given me so much peace is recognizing that that feeling of imposter syndrome, I think, is almost just part of the human experience, Mm -hmm. especially as we step into new roles and new identities. It's almost like Every time you're climbing that mountain and you get to a next the next point on that mountain, whatever it is, it's like, yeah. oh, do I belong here? Because you you just got to that space. And it's almost like you have to – there's that feeling of imposter syndrome for a while until it normalizes, yeah. you know, until you get to the next level, which I'm sure there's going to be many more levels for you, Katie. Yeah. And I think that's – like I loved what you said. I actually just listened to that episode and where you said that it's more about belonging than it is fitting mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And that's what's been really powerful for me, connecting with a lot of the like entrepreneurial women in the Western space, because I have felt such a sense of belonging mm-hmm. with those women from a very early stage of my business. And I felt like there is such a community there. I think it's it's more challenging for me when I start to step outside of that and say, like, to the rest of the world, like, where do I kind of Mm -hmm. fit into this mold that's maybe expected of me, which to your point, I don't need to. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it does feel like people do expect you to kind of fit into a box. Um, But yeah. And I think it's also curious to just think about what box am I expecting myself to fit into based Mm -hmm. on 
what I think other people expect me to fit in. You know, I think that so often we, yes, other people put labels and expectations on us, but I feel like a lot of times it's stuff that we're putting on ourselves too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause even like when I think about the entrepreneurial women in the Western space, you know, sometimes like I question myself, like, is this really, you know, am I really a part of that community? Because Mm -hmm. I run an alcohol business. Like at the end of the day, I'm not out there, you know, advocating for agriculture the same way that a lot of other women are like yourself. And so, you know, what right do I really have to like be a part of these groups? But then, you know, on the other side of that, like, I think that I do advocate for it in a different way Mm -hmm. and that I'm kind of showing the lifestyle in a different way to a different kind of consumer to maybe maybe give them permission to be a part of this lifestyle mm-hmm. that they felt like they couldn't be a part of before. Yeah. And it's so interesting hearing you say that, Katie, because I've had such similar feelings of like, well, who am I to, to say that I have a space in the Western industry? I'm just a coach that's helping people learn how to love and accept themselves and their bodies. Yeah. What does that have to do with the Western culture? And then I've had this like this realization this last year of like, oh, wait, no, that is my specialty. I get to advocate in a different way. And hearing you say that, you know, on the outside looking in, I'm like, Katie, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You're an incredible advocate for the Western industry. And you have this beautiful platform and you're connecting it to your family story and broadening it out to an even broader industry that's going to touch even more people because it's not just a Western thing. Like, I think that that is a superpower. Yeah. And I think I've just had to remind myself too, because I think even to like take this a level deeper, like if you go to our business page, Mm Like there are very few instances that you see my presence on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think there may be two out of hundreds of photos of myself there. And like that's been very intentional. But I think like what I've come to realize more recently, it isn't about me personally. It's mm-hmm. about what I represent. Yes, And that I can represent, like I am just a normal person who started a business, who has seen success through that. And what I represent is the hope that other people can do something similar to what I've done or that they can follow and achieve a dream. Because there isn't anything special about me other than that I took a chance to do something I believed in. And I've, through a lot of like grit and determination, achieved some of those things. So I think like, as I kind of go into the next chapter, it's just reminding myself that it's more about what my story represents and hopefully that it, it can encourage other people in that way than it being about me personally. Mm, that is the magic right there. I feel like in telling our stories, we allow other people to see themselves within us. And I think that's why we have to tell the story. And I think that um, it's so cool to see you kind of like stepping into this and allowing yourself to be more at the front or like the face of this brand and in this role as a, a female founder, because speaking for myself personally, I am so inspired by you. And seeing you as like, oh my gosh, Katie can do it. I can do it too. And I think that, (laughs) I mean, honestly, by you being out there and sharing your story, it is going to inspire so many other people that maybe wouldn't ever have the courage to step into taking a risk on themselves. Yeah. And I think that's been really rewarding in just the times that I have really put myself out there and shared like the nuance of my story is hearing from other people who have an idea or maybe Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of their journey and saying like, if this is where my journey takes me, like it, 
makes me feel like I can wake up and take a step forward for another Mm. day. And so, yeah. And I think like to your point earlier, it is, it doesn't come without challenges. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. a lot of times people only see the highlight reel, but Mm -hmm. you know, it is not an easy road. And I loved the video that you posted a few weeks ago about like this, being an entrepreneur is full of the highest highs and the lowest lows, and they can all come in the same day mm-hmm. where you can let, I'll leave a, me- a meeting and think I nailed that. Like we're going to, we're going to be great. And then the same day I can get just a punch in the gut and feel like, how am I going to do this tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I going to move this forward? Um, and so I think it really requires like having those advocates and those people in your mm-hmm. corner that make you feel like, okay, I can do this. I can keep going forward another day and navigate through all those highs and lows. Mm, so, so true. My goodness. What a wild journey it is. Speaking of journey, one of my my tagline for my business as Coach Kaya is finding joy in the journey because while yes, every journey, every climb is going to have some gruesome, hard, difficult moments, there's also yeah. so much joy to be found in it. And so right now, on this part of your journey, on this part of your climb, where are you currently finding joy? I mean, I love that because I actually get a lot of joy in the daily work and challenges. Mm -hmm. I think it's just very rewarding for me to take a a challenge like every day in a little bite-sized thing that I can work through and achieve right then Mm -hmm. versus sometimes I think we're focused on like the biggest thing And it can be almost paralyzing to think, how am Mm. I ever going to get there? How am Mm -hmm. I ever going to like solve that or achieve that? It's too big. I think like every day having something you can accomplish and get a quick win under your belt is just, you know, it feels good. It's fun. Yes. And I think that that I feel like is probably part of the magic behind your success. I think that so often we work and grind because we want to reach the mountaintop, like the peak. Mm -hmm. But I think the key to success is learning how to become in love with the process. And it sounds like you genuinely love the process of what you're building. And I've learned and grown so much through it too. And I think personal growth is just something that I've always – like it's always been really part of who I am and really wanting to challenge myself. And even like right now today, you know, I've become – an executive of a business that has scaled beyond what I really dreamed it would be. And I don't have a lot of the traditional skills or even the toolbox to operate like an executive Mm -hmm. in the industry that I'm in. And so I've really been working to refine those skills and put more tools in my toolbox so I can operate in a very corporate environment like an executive, but bring my own personal touch to it. And while some days it's overwhelming and I feel like, how in the world did I get here? You know, I think at the end of the day, it's going to make me a better person. It's probably going to make me a better communicator. It's going mm-hmm. to make me more effective in every aspect of my life if I can really hone some of these skills to be a better leader in my business. Mm, I love that. I have a couple more questions for you, but one that I'd I'd love to ask you for anybody that's listening that maybe they have maybe they have a little seed of an idea that's planted mm-hmm. in their head and they're thinking, that would be so cool to start a business. Maybe I could be like Katie and I could bring this to fruition. What advice would you offer someone who is just starting out with an idea? 
So I think the hardest part is taking the first step because it can feel so overwhelming. You don't know what direction to go in. So I think my best advice is to really just take the first step, even if you don't know if it's the right step, because Mm -hmm. that step will lead to another step. And then eventually those steps will accumulate into a journey and you'll look back and say, okay, that all makes sense now. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, it really None of it really makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're so confused, you're right on track. You're doing great. Following some breadcrumbs, trying to say, <laughs> I think this is going to go down a trail, but I'm not quite sure. So, mm-hmm. um, like, I think the very first step I took on this business was I found a product that I really liked that, you know, was kind of in a similar space but very different. I got their can and called essentially every partner that they worked with until I could get in touch with the creator of it. And I essentially did like an informational interview with him, just cold call out of Mm -hmm. the blue. But, and that was just so random. I don't even know how I thought to do that um, or why that particular can and that product. But he then gave me like a little bit of a breadcrumb to then get to like the next step of, mm. okay, well, if you want to produce something like this, you be, should be thinking of this kind of partner. Here's a couple of people you should try to get in touch with. And so that then like gave me a little bit more direction to take that next step forward. So I guess that's just like an example of putting that mm-hmm. into practice. Yeah. Um, but, and then I think it's really hard. I think the hardest part about taking the first step is getting the courage to do it because you think about how much risk there is and how much Mm -hmm. you have to lose. So I think you really have to find those people that give you the courage to take that risk and that you know, like it doesn't matter if you win or lose or if you're successful Mm. or not, that they're going to be in your corner and support you. So there have been so many people like that on this journey. And those are some of the moments that I remember the most vividly are like the first time I ever told my idea to this woman that I worked with, She said, well, why the hell haven't you done it yet? And that I will never forget because it's Mm -hmm. like such a memorable moment of someone. And then that made me think like, if she thinks I can do this, then what am I waiting for? Mm. So I think it's just finding those people that become that source of courage and inspiration for you and constantly you know, finding ways to surround yourself with them. Mm, so good. I love that. It's so, it's so important at the beginning, but we were just talking about it yesterday. It's so important to have those people throughout the journey because I think I'm convinced that no matter what level of success you're in, you're always going to have days when you doubt yourself or you question mm-hmm. what you're doing. And to be able to have those people that speak truth into you and encouragement into you on the days that feel so, so hard is just so important. Yeah. And I even, like I look at... um how we've connected over mm-hmm. time. And even, I think you're someone at the point that I'm in, in my journey, who I could benefit from a lot of advice from because you've done such an incredible job of finding the right platforms to tell your story in a really powerful way. And even things like like public speaking, mm-hmm. I have always been terrified of. I've had to do a lot of it in this job, but uh-huh. Just learning from you, like the way that you approach those things. I think like, you know, you find the right people for the point in your journey that you're mm-hmm. at that then can help you like approach those things that feel like mountains at the time. Mm. 
in a different way. Yeah. So good. And I'm so honored. And I just continue to learn so much from you. We were joking with each other yesterday that we need to be each other's coach (laughs) uh, in different areas of life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Katie, can you tell us what is, what is next for Lone River? What is next for Katie Veal Brown? So we um, just announced a partnership with Miranda Lambert. And this is just so crazy to me because she is somebody from day one that I always wanted to find a way to work with. And the partnership coming to fruition has been like beyond a dream for me because I just think we really are approaching this from the same point of view in that we want to use this as an opportunity to not just like share her connection to the brand, but also build out a platform to empower more entrepreneurial women mm-hmm. in the Western space that are really helping, you know, modernize the American West. And so that's the work with her that I'm really excited to kind of roll my sleeves up on. And I think just watching her and even getting to know her team, it's been so encouraging for me also to like step into more of a role in the forefront that maybe I hadn't quite done in the same way before. And I'll tell you just a super quick story on that. When we were on the shoot together, you know, it was also like a full day of work for me. And before we were going on camera for an interview, I was kind of standing in the back of the crowd and just watching everything that was going on. And Miranda's manager came over to me and said to me, like, this is not the time to stand in the back. You should be really proud of the work that you've done. You've worked really hard in what you've achieved. And these are the moments you need to stand in the front. And that to me was just... It felt very symbolic of where I am in this journey, but also what the partnership with her means, because I think this is the first time I'm really embracing my role as a female founder and how that is also part of the bigger story for us. And so, again, just like so grateful to even have the opportunity to be surrounded by those kinds of people that are so genuine and they just want everyone to win and be successful. Mm, I got chills. I heard that story before. I'm so glad you shared it because I just think to your point, it's just such a perfect message, I think, for this point in your journey that you're in right now. And I'm so excited to see you continuing to take up space and come to the forefront because I know that it's inspiring so many people. I know it's inspiring me for sure. And I'm just so excited to see what you continue to build for your brand for yourself, for your family, and how you continue to elevate the modern West. I just, I'm so, so thrilled for you. Katie, how can people connect with you? How can they get into your orbit? If they're like, this girl is a rock star and I want to be inspired by her on the regular, how can they find you and Lone River and all the things? So I am very active in our brand's Instagram at Ranch Water, but you can also reach me on my personal Instagram at Katie Beale Brown. And always happy to connect and share any advice that I have wherever it's valuable. And love connecting with anybody that has been, you know, a fan of ours and really hearing kind of your stories of how you came across our brand as well. So cool. We'll make sure to link all of those down below in the show notes. And you guys need to run, not walk this summer. (laughs) Your drink of choice better be a ranch water or a ranch Rita. You can find them nationwide, right, Katie? Yes, nationwide. So awesome. Katie, thank you so much again for hopping on the podcast and sharing your story and your heart with my audience. I'm so, so grateful to call you a friend and to have you here. Yes, you too. Good to see you. And thank you, sweet listeners, for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week. 
Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.